So we're going to start in a very anointed place. Channing, do you want to come up? Don't look at me like this. Channing's birthday was this week. She's one of our teens. You see the call of God in her life as a communicator. You can see it. So we're all going to stand. We're all going to sing happy birthday to her. Is that okay? Don't look so awkward. It's your family. We're going to sing happy birthday. I think if someone else could give me a note, then that would be quite good. Or start. There we go. Do you want to start? We've just got a wee present for Channing as well to bless you. It's your birthday. And Cindy, would you be happy to pray for Channing with me? I'm just going to plunk that one on you just now because we do that well. Just as well, we'll pray and bless you just on your birthday week. You're 15? 14? 14? I thought you were 15. 14. I bless you, Channing. I bless you with an open heart to receive the love of the Father for you. I bless you with eyes to see how much he adores you and how proud he is of you. And I bless you with strength and courage as you walk every day. Amen. Awesome. Thank you. Enjoy what we got you. It's good. So yes, we have Power Academy tonight. Um, Daniel, could you turn me down a little bit? I think I feel quite boomy. Yeah, just so I don't sound so loud. It sounds quite intimidating for myself. Don't know how it sounds for you. Glaswegian accent. Anyway, we've got Power Academy tonight, which is good. So please do be praying for that. Um, and kind of what I want to share with you this morning, really I didn't want to share with you this morning, if I'm quite honest, um, because of the journey that it is. And it, I, I struggled with the fact that it, this word, this, the call that's on all our lives to do this certain thing seems so bespoke and seems kind of uh, set for a certain group of people, for intercessors or for the radical fringes of Christianity. But when we study the word of God, we hear the words of Jesus, then we understand that actually a call to fast and to pray at some degree and different degrees is meant for all the people of God. Now, there are those who are called to live it really radical, extreme lives of fasting. So we hear like people like Lou Engel. I don't know if any of you's tuned in for the global prophetic summit and we're watching him and he brought a word about a prayer and a fasting movement that is coming to the earth to see the billion soul harvest that so many of the prophets are prophesying. So he has a very bespoke call into that to really mobilize people with their, um, within this and he does crazy fast, you know, 40 days water only fast. That's what I'm not talking about today. What I want to kind of talk about whilst talking about fasting in a practical sense is this call to live a fasted life and what a fasted life as those who abstain from the desires of our flesh what that's meant to look like but actually why it's so fundamentally important so let me just kind of give you a bit of a prophetic back kind of overview of what I believe God's been doing with those in the room um, and what he's doing with us now. Now you'll have heard some of this, but this is kind of the words that God has used uh, for me personally around it. 
So God in these last, I would say, six to eight months has allowed us to feel certain stresses and to feel chaos so that he could teach us how to manage ourselves. So who feels like, I have felt some stress, I have felt some chaos, I have felt some mess. But actually, although you might not feel like you're done, like you're sorted, like you're an expert self-manager, who feels like, I think I'm a little better at managing myself than I was a year ago? Because God allowed some things to come across your life and come into your life so that he could show you and teach you some ways, you know, strengthening yourself in the Lord, using discerning of the spirits, so that he could teach you how to live free, but how to manage your emotions. God is not done talking about this, because we always need to be better self-managers. Revelation is progressive. But the call, and you'll have heard this at the Spiritual Warfare Conference, you'll have heard this from the prophets in Dallas, the call is now moving from the church being made up of individuals who know how to self-manage to the ecclesia, the soldiers, the army of the Lord corporately who know how to manage and steward territories and nations. That is the call. That is where we are shifting So the Lord is saying that he is putting his people in national transformation boot camp. And where he had us before was personal transformation boot camp. But now it's national transformation boot camp. And to a degree, that's why personal ministry has been our main focus. Because it was personal ministry boot camp to ourselves and then personal ministry boot camp to other people. Now, that doesn't disappear. God doesn't end that. He builds upon it and he broadens how that looks. But it's national transformation. And so we're learning how to steward the atmospheres over territories and over regions and speak nations into alignment. And these are the days truly where nations can be turned on their head and turned around in a moment. These are the days that we are coming to. And if you tuned into the uh, the summit, you'll have heard about the anointing for dictators to be over throne. I actually believe that God is saying that he is allowing that same chaos that he allowed to come to us personally. The Lord is saying, I'm allowing that to come into some governments and into some political parties, even in Scotland. And the Lord is saying, I'm allowing some political parties, I'm allowing some governments to fall to their knees so that I can begin to restructure and reshape how they govern. And God is doing that in business. God is doing that in government. God is doing that even in the church to a degree, because God knows what he's put in his people. And he allows situations to come across our path that cause them to make a withdrawal from it. So, he is redeeming lost truths. And that's kind of what God has been talking to me about. So, things like the Ecclesia, there has been a redemption of what that actually means in recent months. There's a redeeming of his role of the prophets, actually, that we're not just there as workhorses to prophesy over anyone and everyone. We have a different kind of role. He is redeeming the honor that business people should have in the church and in the house of God, but he is also redeeming what it means to be those who fast and those who pray. And we have lost the call uh, of this particularly in my generation and the millennial generation. The call to fast and to pray is something that is not talked about. We like to turn up to church. We like good worship 
We like conversation and coffee. We like sociable church. But actually, this sense of I need to give something that is hard is something that we struggle with. And so God is saying, I'm redeeming what it means to pray, to fast, and to contend. And you'll see that is why we um, have the three months of prayer at the start of next year. That actually we're going back into that place, into that almost that Nazarite type call. That call to stroke the fire, that call to be set on fire again. Now, some of you will do what I did when God started to talk to me about fasting and roll your eyes. So let me just kind of bring some personal context into this so that you kind of understand where this word is coming from. And no way is this coming from someone who loves fasting with every fiber of their being uh, and uh, would choose to do that over choosing to eat food. No. If there's a sex love language, which I think there is, it's called food in my life. That is how I feel love. That is how I know people love me. Cook me food, buy me food, take me out for food. And there we go. You don't even need to tell me you love me. I just know that we do in that moment. Crisps and anything savory, they just, the glory of God covers them. And I feel like I've just talked about eating so much. At the school I was talking about it when I was teaching them how to prophesy, it's just this, I feel it in my bones, food. So when God said to me at the start of this year, I want to teach you what it means to live a fasted life, my first reaction probably wasn't as positive as I'd like to say it was to you. And so started a journey in my life of many, many, many failed fast and a few successful ones. But actually, it has been a learning journey of what it means to live a life entirely devoted and entirely yielded to God, where actually my yieldedness to God goes beyond the reading of the word and goes beyond worship and goes beyond sermon prep, but even goes to the places of food and of what I buy and of what I eat and every second of every moment of every day as an act of yielded devotion to God and this sense of God actually, yes, I want to prophesy, and yes, all this national transformation stuff is good, but when you look at me, I want you to first see someone who yields their entire self to you. And if we can start there, God, and if I can work with you there, then all this other stuff is great, but I'll be satisfied because I'm yielded. And so, by definition, fasting is an act of yieldedness to God. It is not about dieting. It is not about eating healthy. It is not about getting that summer body. It is an act of entire devotion and yieldedness to God. And there are other things that it does that I'm going to tuck underneath as I teach you uh, for the rest of this morning. Um, but that I want you to know. And if your priority is to lose weight going into a God fast, it'll be a failed fast. Actually, funnily enough, uh, the, longest fast, the longest fast I have done on water only was a week. And it, miraculously, it was just a call um, that I had one week. And that, those types of fasts, it's not something that you just wake up and decide to do. You have to hear the call, hear the call, then hear the call again and do your study and preparation. Um, but I never felt hungry, but I also never lost a pound. And that whole week, because it was just a supernatural outworking of God for that moment. If you want to deepen your relationship with God, then there is no quicker way to do it than fasting, because it requires more dependency than you'll ever imagine.
So uh, a definition for fasting, now this comes from Derek Prince, I've got his wee handbook, it's a tiny wee book on fasting, uh, love it, and it just says, fasting is where we voluntarily embrace weakness, declaring to God that we derive our life and our strength from him and him alone, we voluntarily embrace weakness, God does not impose this on us. Mahesh Chavda says, fasting is a choice for God and against the flesh. When you fast, you're making a conscious inward choice demonstrated by an outward act that you want God's power to flow through you and not your own power to flow through you. You want God's power to flow through you and not your own power to flow through you. And there is a lie, and I kind of alluded to it at the start, and that is that fasting is for the radical fringes of, of Christianity, an optional extra for those who call themselves intercessors or those who call themselves watchmen. But as we learned at the Spiritual Warfare Conference, we're all, we're all intercessors. Actually, you can't be a follower of God without having some level of intercession on your life. And whilst there are those who devote their entire 24-7 hours a, you know, a week to it, all of us have to have that. But actually when we read the word of God, we read, that, we read that living a fasted life, fasting and whatever God is asking of you is meant to be a normal, basic spiritual discipline, just as prayer, just as worship, just as reading scripture is. And biblical Christianity, as Jesus tells us during his sermon on the mount, is to live a life committed to prayer, giving, fasting, serving, and blessing our enemies. And these are four, uh, these are core fundamental building blocks in our Christian walk. And in connection with all three of these uh, things, the main Christian duties, giving to the poor, prayer and fasting, it's in Matthew chapter 6, there's a degree of fasting in them all. I actually think the more I've read them, there's a call to fast in them all. And what I mean by that is, so prayer, you're fasting your time. Fasting, obviously, your food, giving, you're fasting financial stability sometimes. You're fasting, you're fasting your own finances. You're putting yourself in a difficult place. You're abstaining from having as much as you normally would. Blessing our enemies. You're fasting from some of your own emotions in that one. Serving, you're fasting your time. And I think there's a degree of that in them all, but obviously there's a call for food, for a food fast. So in Matthew 6, uh, you read Jesus talk about particularly in giving to the poor and prayer and in fasting. He says, when, not if. So Jesus talks about these things with the presumption that, you're, that, he, that this is already resolved within you. He's not here to convince you to give to the poor. He's not there to convince you to pray. He's not there actually to convince you to fast. But he's there giving you instructions on how to do it because you are already convinced that these are things that you're meant to do. He did not say if. So we accept giving to the poor as an obligation, yes. I wouldn't have to convince you to do that. Prayer, I wouldn't have to convince you to pray. I really hope I wouldn't have to convince you to pray. Fasting, we don't really look at and we don't really say in the same breath as those other two things. Fasting must forever be centered on God, just as the other two have to be. And it must be God-initiated and God-ordained. And like the prophet Anna, we need to be worshiping with fasting. 
That's Luke 2.37. And like the apostolic team in Antioch, fasting and worshipping the Lord must be said in the same breath. Charles Spurgeon says that our seasons of fasting and prayer at the tabernacle have been high days indeed. Never has heaven's gate stood wider. Never have our hearts been nearer the central glory. What a beautiful statement about what happened when they fasted. And God questioned the people in Zechariah's day. When you fasted, did you all, did you at all fast unto me or even a little bit to me? And if fasting is not unto God and all about God and God ordained and God initiated and God focused, then it's a failed fast. And as I said, the physical benefits, the success in prayer, the victory, the enduring power, the spiritual insights, they're all benefits, but they're never the focus and must never replace God as the center of our fasting. So why am I talking about this to you uh, today? I've been really moved by the consistency of prophetic words and comment brought by several different prophetic voices in recent months. So I don't know if you remember the Sunday morning after the rise of the radicals, eh, Tommy was here and he was teaching lots of different things. I wasn't in that, but I heard the podcast and he landed in a moment where he was talking about the disciples, eh, Jesus' instructions to the disciples in Matthew 17 about the demonized boy who was plagued by seizures. And it says there that how those Uh, how those kind of demons come out, how do they come out? By prayer and by fasting. In the minister's life. Not in the boy's life, in the minister's life. And this sense that as we come to a new movement of healing in the earth and come to a new movement here, that if we want to see a revolution of wholeness and a revolution of deliverance and of freedom and of healing come, then we have to start in that place of prayer and of fasting. Last year, I think it was summer last year, Emma brought a word uh, on the pivot season that we are in. And she prophesied out of 1 Samuel 3, and it starts in 1 Samuel 3 by saying what? The word of the Lord was rare. There were not many visions. And by the end of that chapter, what happened? That they hit a pivot point, and all of a sudden, the word of the Lord went from being rare to felling all of Israel. And she prophesied that this will come, this pivot point we're still in, it's not finished yet, will come through a people who dedicate themselves to pray and to fast. And there's so many more. Lou Engel, for instance, at the Global Prophetic Summit, calling a people to fast, calling this generation. I, I do believe that the kind of the uh, high school generation, the 12 to 20 year olds just now, are going to redeem what it means to contend and to pray and to fast, and they're going to remember it. And where my generation lost it, they're going to remember it and rediscover it. Before Jesus entered his public ministry, there were two critical experiences that he had to pass through before he could become the Jesus that ministered and healed the sick and proclaimed the gospel. The first was his baptism, and you'll know it, the Holy Spirit descends on him, and he was filled, and he was endued with the supernatural power of the Holy Spirit for his ministry. But he did not immediately leave this encounter and start to minister. There was a second experience that he had to pass through as part of his preparation. He had to spend 40 days fasting 
in the wilderness. And he abstained from food at this point. He didn't stay, he had water. Uh, just by the way that you read it, you can tell that, that Jesus had abstained from food only. And he was immersed in an entirely spiritual act for the duration of that time. And it concluded with a person-to-person conflict with Satan. And through fasting, Jesus emerged victorious from that first conflict with Satan. And Jesus' first victory over the devil wasn't on the cross. We see it here in the wilderness as he fasted and as he had that conflict. And this encounter shows us that fasting is an essential weapon in our armory. If we are to be those who rise above Satan and his works and be a victorious people, Luke chapter 4, this is important. It says this in verse 1. Now Jesus, full of, and from the Amplified, it says, and in perfect communication with the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit, important, led by the Spirit into a fast, not initiated, he was led by God to initiate, to go into this, into the wilderness for 40 days, being tempted by the devil. He ate nothing during those days, and when they ended, he was hungry. Now that really encourages me. Jesus was hungry. <laughs> he was hungry. He felt the difficulty of fasting. It wasn't perfect for him. He didn't waltz through it without a single uh, feeling of hunger or need for food. He was hungry. He was not in some ethereal place, disconnected from his flesh. Whilst he was in a spiritual encounter, yes, he was still aware of his own flesh and what was going on. And I think an observation from my own life and others' lives, it's at this place where we feel weak, tired, and hungry that we start to think that the fast has failed. Rather than seeing that biblically, we're on the cusp of a victory. It wasn't at the midway point or at the beginning of the fast that Jesus gained victory over Satan. It was at the point where he felt hungry, where he felt weak. And weakness is never a sign of failure. Never. And to live a life, a fasted life, is not just to live one where we regularly abstain from food, but regularly are abstaining from the desires of our flesh. And it is this that builds the perfect platform for God to come and unravel his master plan upon. And he never looks for strength. He looks for obedience and he looks for willingness. And one who lives a fasted life is not someone who says, I've got it all sorted. Quite the opposite. It says, I'm going to abstain from my own ideas and yield to God's ideas. I'm going to abstain from my own instruction and yield to God's instruction. I'm going to stay away. I'm going to resist my own desires. And I'm going to yield to God's desires. I'm going to live a life pursuing more yielded connection to my God. This is the fasted life. Verse 14. Then Jesus went back to Galilee in the power of the Spirit, and the news about him spread through the entire region. Jesus went into the wilderness, filled with the Spirit, but he came out of the wilderness in the power 
of the Spirit. Two different statements written in two different ways. And it is one thing to be filled with the Holy Spirit, but it is another thing to have a life of spiritual discipline that causes you to be one that walks in the power of the Holy Spirit. And the word for filled literally means entirely filled, 100%, without room for any more. And Jesus could not have been filled with any more of the Spirit. It wasn't like there's a little space up here in Jesus and it was left for the power. And he got filled in the wilderness. No, he was entirely filled with the Spirit. He didn't need any more of it. He didn't lack anything. He didn't need another altar call. He didn't need a second baptism by John the Baptist. He needed to go into the wilderness and he needed to fast. And the key that unlocked him and unlocked the power of God within him and transferred the Holy Spirit for something that was just to communicate and something that would just fill him to being something that would be expressed and poured out was prayer and was fasting. So what do you think the word for power here is? Surely I don't have to tell you. Dunamis, yes. We talk about this all the time. And prayer and fasting, they caused the force of the Spirit of God to wake up on the inside of Jesus. And we've always been, we've all been subjected to thoughts of, I'm not saying miracles, so I need more impartation. I'm not prophesying as well as I should, so I need another training event. I'm not laying my hands on the sick and they're recovering, so I need to go and I need to sit under someone or I need to buy a podcast or I need to watch someone on YouTube. But actually, God is saying, you don't. And while these things are good, you need a rhythm of spiritual discipline that includes prayer and that includes fasting. And as you proactively engage with these rhythms, as the Spirit leads, a force of the power of God, I will prophesy to you, will wake up on the inside of you and you will come out of your times of devotion and you will come out of your times of dedication and you will go in filled with the Spirit but out in the power of the Spirit. And God is saying you don't need another altar call. You need a rhythm of spiritual disciplines. I'd love to teach you on all the different spiritual disciplines that there are in the Word of God, but go away and read about them and research them and see that actually the spiritual disciplines that we're meant to have, that life, they become that foundation, that platform upon which God unveils and pours out His Spirit and pours out His power. You don't need another baptism, you need a new rhythm. You don't need another impartation, you need some prayer and you need some fasting. And the rhythm of your daily walk will determine the level of the power of God that you express. Because a fasted people, those who fast properly, are a force-filled people. And some of those that God has exalted into prominence within his church as ministers are often and usually those who have given their lives to walk the fasted way. And who have consistently abstained from the desires of their flesh. And Jesus' ministry started after he had gone through this. After fasting, after resisting temptation, after leaving the wilderness victorious, after overcoming the enemy, Jesus' ministry started. And fasting is the birthing place of kingdom ministry where we abstain from our desires, 
God causes us to be those who steward another level of his kingdom. Now, why am I saying kingdom? What did Jesus start to preach after these 40 days? What was the first revelation he brought into the earth? Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Matthew 4, 17. And he brought a kingdom message into the earth. Derek Prince, the works Jesus did began with fasting. If we want to follow in the other works he did and the greater works, then it seems pretty logical to me that we must begin where Jesus began. And as you begin to live this kind of life, and again, I want to reiterate, I'm not just talking about the times where you have three days or a day where you're abstaining from food, where you're not eating. I'm talking about an entire fasted life, the dedication, the putting off of our fleshly desires. As you begin to enter into that type of rhythm, there will be new kingdom ventures that come from you. And if you feel like I have a ministry idea or I have a bit of a vision or I have a bit of a thought that I might be called to birth something, but I don't know quite what it is, then maybe God is calling you to pray and to fast to actually make a discovery of it. And you thought your wilderness moment was a curse, but you're going to look back on it in 10 years' time and on 20 years' time and see that it was one of the greatest blessings that God ever gave you because God allows these moments to come across our paths and for us to enter into them so that a new level of kingdom ministry might land in us. Matthew 6, verse 16, I love this. Do not look somber as the hypocrites do. In other words, fasting, it should have a joyful expression. That taught me a lesson. Oh, I need to fast. Oh, I'm not, I'm not having any food. Oh, I'm looking grumpy. Oh, I look gaunt. That's not what it's meant to look like. It actually goes as far to say, put oil on your face, wash yourself, make sure you don't look like you're fasting, make sure you don't look hungry, make sure you don't look grumpy, look happy, express deep joy while you're committed to living this kind of way. And if you don't, what does it say? You're a hypocrite. Ouch. So if I ever moan to you about a time when I'm in a fast, you have permission to pinch me and to tell me off. Let me land with this thought. Daniel 10, you'll know this scripture well. I don't want to teach out too much. So this is the uh, point at the start of this where Daniel is receiving a vision from God. And this vision took place in the third year of Cyrus's reign. And this is after the conquest of Babylon. And at this point, it's the third year since Daniel became acquainted with him. Why is this important? This was an empire building moment in the earth. And God gave this call to fast and gave this call, gave this vision in a season where he was dealing with empires. And God, we are in a season, actually a 10-year decade, where in the earth, God is dealing with empires. It's a prophetic word. We're in a season where God is dealing with empires in the earth. And so there's a similar call that is coming to us as he begins to deal with empires, as he overthrows dictators, as he pulls down governments, as he shakes some things up. And it says this, At that time, I, Daniel, mourned for three weeks. I ate no choice food, 
no meat or wine touched my lips and I used no lotions at all until the three weeks were over. Now that is the most peculiar fast, I think, in the world. So he's not, he's, he is eating some things, but he's not eating meat. He's not having wine, but he's also not putting lotion on his body. So he might be a little bit smelly. But he's abstaining, and I'll teach you this, from luxury. That is the choice there. Now this word, choice, food, is the word hamad, and it's spelled C-H-A-M-A-D. And it means desirable. And so this says, I ate no desirable food. And so we teach the Daniel fast often. You'll have heard about that. And we follow, has anyone done a Daniel fast before? We follow that. And it is a little bit prescribed in the sense of uh, with what he ate and what he did not eat. But the main thing wasn't that God said, you will eat no meat and you will eat no, you will have no wine. But God was calling him to put off what he desired. And sometimes in a Daniel fast, actually what God is calling you to do is not necessarily follow a, a formula or a prescribed way, but to choose not to eat what you desire, what you love. To choose not to use what you love. But this is important. I love this. this is, actually, this revelation has kind of been brewing since I was on my holidays as God talked to me about it eh, on a sunbed while I was in Cyprus. That's not important. I just wanted to go back there and think about it. But I need to abstain from that luxury for a moment. So twice Daniel is called highly esteemed by the angel of the Lord. Some translations, they will say greatly beloved. So 10 to 11, a hand touched me and set me trembling on my hands and knees and said, Daniel, you who are highly esteemed. Eight, uh, verses 18 to 19. Again, the one who looked like a man touched me and gave me strength. Do not be afraid, you who are highly esteemed. Now, the word for esteemed, can you guess what that is? The exact same word as choice, foods, desirable. In other words, he was saying, I ate no desirable foods and became desirable in the eyes of God. I put off what I desired and I became desired by my God. And this is favor where we choose to put off the desires of our flesh. And in that place, we become greatly desired by God. And he desires to use us. He desires to meet with us. He desires to move through us. He desires us because we have put off the desires of our flesh. And fasting draws on a level of the favor of God that few things can make a withdrawal on. And if you know you need the favor of God to get you through some situations, there is no quicker way than to get into this place of fasting. I, Daniel, ate nothing that I desired and became desirable in the eyes of my God. And God greets him with the same word that he chose, that Daniel chose to describe the type of foods that he abstained from. God chose those words. 
And fasting apprehends God's desire. And God's desire is the momentum behind that which he creates. Dietrich Bonhoeffer says this, Jesus takes it for granted that his disciples will observe the custom of fasting. Strict exercise of self-control is an essential feature of the Christian life. Such customs have only one purpose, to make the disciples more ready and more cheerful to accomplish those things which God would have done. A fasted life is a prepared life. And there are different levels. And you must, you might not be like, you know, since the start of the year, I've fasted a minimum of one day a week. I do that every single week. And that's the, but that is the call. That's what God asked me to do. And sometimes it changes. So before I preach today, I've I've fasted two days um, with water only because that's just what God called me to do. It has to be led by the Spirit. For you, it may not be like that. There's different levels and there's different trainings. You need to go into the place of prayer and ask God what it looks like. Looks like, But a fasted life is meant to mark us all. We fast from sin. We fast from propaganda. We fast from certain types of media. We fast from certain types of relationships. We fast from everything that would cause a diversion in our course to fulfill the call that each of us carries. And many of you in the room will feel, as I preach, and will have probably felt in the uh, the recent weeks as well, a call to live this kind of life. And you need to feel the permission from God to begin to look at what that looks like. But as we come to the fire on the altar season in this house, three months of intense prayer and of intercession, we must learn and relearn what it means to contend. And to contend, there is a core... uh, discipline in that and that is fasting and actually fasting makes your contending uh, more effective Jesus asked us to fast and he knew the price he was asking us to pay he'd already done it for 40 40 days a kind of fast that very very few on the earth will ever be called to do Jesus did it for 40 days no food water only and so when he said when you fast he knew the gravitas that that statement carried he knew the effect that it would carry he in his head was probably thinking about that day when that those days in the wilderness when he had to fast he knew the price to pay hebrews 12 throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles that is the fasted life. And the fasted life has different expressions. Some a three-day fast, some half-day fast, whatever it looks like. For some, it's irregular. You might only fast once in a blue moon when you feel the call of God. But that is the call. Throw off everything that hinders, the sin that so easily entangles, to run and to persevere and to stay the course. And we need to make that choice. Do you want to stand and we'll just pray and finish? And, you know, as David was saying, pray for me daily, but pray for this generation daily as well. 
if I was to prophesy about them, I believe that there's a Jesus people movement that is coming again from these, uh, from this uh, generation, from Jessica and from Channing and from Daniel and from their peers. And they will be biblical, but they will be radical as well. And they will be marked by deep communion and they will be marked by rhythms of prayer and fasting. And actually they will see that prayer and that fasting is not reserved for the Friday morning prayer meeting for a few of the older members of the church who are retired, but they will give their entire life to it and so I'm going to be teaching them for the next three months in Power Academy about living a life of prayer and fasting and so expect intercessors to begin to see some young people praying with you and working with that with you because that there is a call that God is resounding and there are some mighty intercessors that are going to be raised up by God and they'll be 13 and they'll be 16 and they'll be 18 They will lobby in the halls of power. They will stand in debating chambers, but they will sit at the feet of Jesus and they will put fire on the altar. Father, we hear the call to live a life of entire devotion. Father, we hear the call uh, from what has gone from Dallas about uh, what you're doing with governments and empires and dictators. And God, we know that that starts and it is initiated through a people who have dedicated 100% of their life I actually just feel like for a moment some of us just need to repent for where we know that we've not given God 100% of our lives. It's odd, we always think God wants a spiritual offering, but he just wants an everything offering. He wants it all. God, we're sorry for where we've withheld what you desire. And God, we want to be those who, as we put off what we desire we become desirable in your sight. We become covered and clothed in favor. And I particularly speak to those that God is dropping a lifelong call into to live a life of prayer and of fasting. Do you know, I felt like I was the most unlikely candidate. I still do, but it burns so deep in my bones to do this. Because it's a God place to call. And some of you are going to feel it. Father, I ask that you would come near. And that you would train and that you would teach. And that you would show them your ways. But God, for us all, we pray that Hebrews 12 truth. That we might be those who throw off everything that hinders. That throw off the sin that so easily entangles us. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. If you need to continue praying with the people that you were before uh, I preached, then please do. If you want to stand and get prayer with someone, then do. There's tea and coffee, but uh, be blessed as you go into your week. Amen.